0: 30 bucks for bread, peanut butter, and three Porn Mags? That's doing pretty well. In 1999, though. Oh, well, I was thinking of today's standards. Today's standards a Porn Mag is like 30 bucks. Not that I would know. Hey, guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan, and I finally watched
1: Magnolia. So you're just doing it the way we do it. Okay, and I'm David, and I also finally watched Magnolia. But before we get started on that, A word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host I Finally Watch. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.
0: So head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. So this is our first time watching this movie, David. And when you recommended it to me, I was thinking of Steel Magnolias. And this is
1: not that movie. It's not. Yeah, that's a good call. I'm glad you were able to figure that out. Maybe on hour, hour two and a half is when you discovered that, that it was different. I, um, yeah, I always, I guess, got those two, not confused, but just by name. I was like, which is which? And I didn't really know. I didn't know it was a PTA movie. And then, uh, and then when I did, I was like, oh, that's the one with Tom Cruise, which is, I guess, how the studio wanted to sell it. Um, I did not ever realize what Tom Cruise was actually saying. In like all the memes and and the clips that you see of him like jumping off the stage. Uh, so that was a revelation. Um
0: Well also you was was the memes jump him jumping off the stage Magnolia or that one episode of Oprah Winfrey. He was jumping on a couch then. Oh, my my bad. Timing wise, I think that came after anyway. And I'm also Um, pretty
1: sure Steel Magnolia's is just a bunch of about a bunch of ladies. I think older older ladies, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, the reason we watch this is because we're doing PTA movies, and this is on Netflix. So it was pretty easy, although it was three hours and eight minutes. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's easy to you. <laughs> three hours and eight minutes is like four minutes longer than Endgame. I, uh, it, I surprisingly, it took only took me two days to watch it, to watch this movie. Same, same. Three, three sessions though. Uh, and you know, it's funny. I was reading uh, up on the movie a little bit. And um, PTA actually says the movie is unbearably long and that if he could, he would cut it, a lot of it out. Mm. Which, um, after watching it though, and this is just a little hot take, I actually think it could have been a little longer. There's some stuff that is obviously cut that I needed some closure on and we don't get it because it was already so fucking long.
0: That's actually really interesting. I, I When we get to it, I'd love to hear your your uh the scenes you thought that could go longer because you know it's funny and I, we were talking about this before but each individual story i guess um there are some that are shorter than others and there are some that are longer than others and i felt like a relief like sometimes we'll be watching a segment let's say the william h macy part of the story and i'd feel like it's dragging yeah we could have
1: cut i I, we could have cut all of that
0: and and then um uh and then tom cruise's segment will come back on and i'm like all right fuck yeah i'm back in
1: did you learn a lot from tom cruise like life lessons on how to
0: approach (laughs) you know what's so fucking funny is the fact that i've seen so many uh guru motivational speaker uh pickup artist like um like not debunking them they're not they're not a myth um but like uh um like calling out like calling out the scammers and shit like that on like tiktok and instagram and stuff like that and when was this movie made like a few few years ago 1999 yeah so almost 20 years ago and i'm like over 20 years ago the world really yes sorry (laughs) i thought we were back in 2011 sorry (laughs) um the uh
1: the world really hasn't changed
0: that much huh
1: he really reminded me i think it was on mtv there was this show about a pickup artist dude that wore like a bunch of tassels and like yes 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 i know what you're talking
0: about yeah
1: (laughs) that i just was like Enamored with the just the concept of it because it was the first time I'd ever like, just like that people like that exist, mm-hmm. and I'll just say this now because it's something I want to bring up. This is, I think, the best acting of Tom Cruise's career. No, I
0: a hundred percent am backing you up on this. I literally think it is one of his best performances.
1: Besides, he can't cry. He's the worst. He's like one of the worst criers. But to go from that to at least an attempt, I thought was really good. But his opening scene on stage and then when he goes back and the subtlety of like being affected by the call about his dad dying. um, I think all of that, like it's the best I've ever, because I've never really considered him honestly like a great actor. I've considered um, him a great action star, which is have like you ever a different...
0: seen interview with a vampire.
1: I have. <laughs> you take that shit back. David. I still, I still, I still <laughs> stand by it. You know, it's also funny too, like not that Tom Cruise needs to have great years, but what a great year. He worked with PTA and he did Kubrick's last film. They, I think they both came out in 1999. Eyes Wide Shut may have came out like a year earlier.
0: So I actually want to talk to you about Eyes Wide Shut because I've never seen it. And I, and I want to do an episode for
1: is that a Christmas movie? That's not a Christmas movie.
0: Um, I also want to say that it. This is possibly John C. Riley's best performance.
1: Is John C. Riley a good actor?
0: He's in a lot of good movies.
1: Does that necessarily make him a good actor? Um, well, you know, there's this thing going around. I don't know if you've heard about this. We usually don't get topical on here. But Adam McKay and uh, Will Ferrell had a falling out because uh, Adam McKay is doing a um, like a mini series about the Los Angeles Lakers, okay. and the owner of the Lakers, um, Will Ferrell, wanted to play that part, and instead he gave it to John C. Riley. I don't, I don't okay. like, I don't see a lot of difference between those two. I like John C. Riley has done a lot of things where I think he's really great in it but it's similar to uh similar when we talk about like Mark Wahlberg like Mark Wahlberg has a lane where he can be really great in and i'm just curious like do you think there's a lot of like different lanes that John C Reilly can go into and just be great cuz i'm i'm not i don't know if i've seen it i don't think this character is that much different than Bo- it, it's a different character but his acting is not that much different than Boogie Nights to me but Boogie Nights is really he's also really good in i thought he is But it's also just like it's a part like built for him. I also really just love the fact that the this is just all the exact same actors from Boogie Nights, except for Burt Reynolds, who was mad at PTA at the time. But like, they're all just like, let's get the band back together. We got to add a ton more people because this is a three-hour movie. Who would
0: Burt Reynolds
1: play? Oh,
0: Tom Cruise's character. (laughs) (laughs) Also, maybe Adam respect the cock. That, maybe, was, that maybe, was Connery. <laughs> maybe uh maybe Adam McKay is getting more mature in his filmmaking. I mean, he's he's come up with Vice, The Big Short, and now he's come up with Don't Look Up on Netflix with like Jonah Hill, DiCaprio.
1: Yeah, that's got mixed reviews too, and so did Vice. The Big Short's I like, amazing.
0: I, <laughs> I haven't seen The Big Short is amazing. I haven't seen Don't Look Up yet. Um, but I actually really like Vice. Um, I just wanted to tell you though that that pickup artist show on MTV, it is called The Pickup Artist, and I know our listeners can't see this, but I want you to know that this. Yeah, it, I remember. I this think this is
1: the guy. Yeah, that hat. Well, it's
0: a, it's a, it's what, it's what in the pickup artist world would call a uh, conversation starter. It, it pulls on the attention of women, and it doesn't have to be necessarily positive or negative. It just has to bring their eyes
1: to you. you think this hat is fucking ugly yeah probably you want to sleep together
0: (laughs) i think that's exactly how that works so back to the film i think um it, it has one of the most intriguing beginnings of of a film that i've ever seen with just the sheer amount of like i think for its time it was the only movie really doing this like everything is destiny coincidence is imminent and you should really like give yourself up to the universe kind of concept.
1: I think I was pulled a little bit out during the second story when they said Patton Oswald is the sporting type. And I was just like, all right, come on guys. <laughs> oh
0: man. The only one that I was like, really like pulled in with, like the one that got me was the, the kid committing suicide, but then got shot by his mom halfway down. But then it was revealed that he would have lived if he wasn't shot. And the only reason he was shot is because he loaded those bullets himself.
1: So those, all three of those stories, well, so, sorry, two of the, the last two stories are urban legends. The first one apparently really happened. And then it turned out that the person who like said, he witnessed those three guys kill the pharmacist, like was lying. And so it's still a mystery if like those three guys actually could, but they were executed also the uh the janitor from scrubs is one of the three dudes that commits the murder in that first story
0: huh i thought at some point that those names were going to come back around no or
1: yeah but the second two are urban legends and both have made like appearances as plot points on csi i'm not sure which csi i mean i'm pretty sure the the original las vegas one but uh yeah So I had both like seen those, which this came out first. So if I had watched this when it came out in 1999, when I was 12, you know, I wouldn't be like, ah, CSI did that.
0: They, uh, they made such a big deal with their last names. I really thought it was going to be revealed that at least three out of the eight main characters of our movie were going to be related to those. uh, Some of those people at the end, but that was not the case for this. I think we start out in this movie, if I'm not mistaken, with, um... well, damn, who do we start out with this?
1: You're talking about after the three stories? Yeah. It's so right after the three stories, there's just like kind of a um, a mashup of lists, like showing all the characters very quickly. So, you know, we get Tom Cruise as the pickup artist. I think it starts, yeah, it, it pans in as the narrator is talking, which that narrator, by the way, is the guy that works on the game show with uh, Jimmy Gator. Which guy? The guy that's like, talk, he's like, he's kind of losing his hair and he's talking to the woman that is working with the three kids who tells Stanley that he can't pee. He's like kind of like the producer almost. Basically. The older guy. Yeah, yeah. He's the narrator of the movie. Not
0: Agent Coulson from S.H.I.E.L.D.
1: No, not him. (laughs) Okay, so he's the narrator. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, I just recognize his voice. So it starts with, uh, as he's narrating it, you go into a living room and you see a TV and then we get the ad for uh, the Search and Destroy system. It's just such a great name for what he's selling. Um, so we get that, but then it just keeps rolling through everything. And it's like so quick that I actually like as I was watching it, even though I was in for three hours and eight minutes, I like rewound it to rewatch it. Cause you get like Gator is like it's talking about how, oh, he's you know, he's married and has a loving wife and a kid, and then you like I rewound it, it was like, Oh, he's cheating in that scene. Yes. Like that's yes. not his wife, which you'll you'll eventually catch on. And then um and then we get like the Donnie, the Wizkid kid thing as he like runs into the gas station. And this, I think this was after he like is getting fitted for braces. And then uh, John C. Riley is a cop who's like submitting his uh, a voicemail for like a, a dating service line. And like, it's all like so much so quickly. And that's actually like, it's kind of how the movie goes too which is going to make it complicated to talk about but it's <laughs> yeah. so many cuts back and forth stories going like at a frenetic pace and one thing i read is that the more it rains like the the more frenetic the frenetic the characters are and then like they kind of calm down when it's like like not raining um but that opening is like so like you know kind of not confusing but it just it, it gives you a lot very quickly
0: it it does um, the these characters that we're following. Uh, I know you said eight, but are there actually eight or are there um five? Um, you have Tom it? Cruise, William H Macy. You have Jimmy Gator. You have his daughter, Um, Ophelia. Claudia. Claudia, I was close. Uh. Then you have Philip.
1: Phil Parma? Yeah. Um Yeah, you have Tom Cruise. And
0: and and Officer Jim.
1: Yeah, so Jim, Claudia, Jimmy Gator, John C. Riley.
0: No, John C. Riley is Officer Jim.
1: Oh. Uh, Stanley. Yep, that's four. Wait, what? Jimmy Gator, Claudia, Tom Cruise. Jimmy the Cop, who is different than Jimmy Gator. Yes. Stanley, we're at five. Okay, that's five. Uh William H. Macy. William H. Macy. Yeah, that's six. Julianne Moore. Oh, I forgot about Julianne Moore. And Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's Philip Parma. Yeah, but I didn't say him this time yet. Shit, so it is eight. And I just made, I just said that I didn't know if it was actually eight, but there's this whole, we can talk about this now too. So I guess there's supposed to be eight because when he, when PTA originally wrote this and the whole thing ends with frogs, because there are like stories, historical, like accounts of frogs being picked up by storms and thrown on people, like tons of frogs. And so he wrote this and then right before they start filming the movie, he's and someone like was like, Hey, you know, it's in the Bible too. And he's like, what? And so there's this whole Exodus eight, two thing going on in like the movie. I only that noticed it twice. I didn't notice a period, but no. the fact that there's eight characters I think is important.
0: Um, I, I noticed it twice. Um, some guy in the, uh, in the children genius game show had a had his sign taken away from him that said Exodus 8-2, and then there was a wide shot of the street when um, John C. Reilly's character was driving, and you could see Exodus 8-2 on one of the billboards.
1: Well, also, if you really want to get conspiracy theory, Magnolia is eight letters, and it has two A's, and the A's are the second and the eighth letter.
0: Okay, Um
1: do you know why it was called Magnolia? Because that's the street it took place on, Magnolia Boulevard, I guess. Yep. It's also a bunch of fucking flowers in the background, too, apparently, that I never saw. Really? I never saw that either. Um, so the next, like, full story we get is John C. Riley being, like, just, like, a prototypical bad cop. And it took me, like, through the end to realize that just to clarify, not a bad cop, like a crooked
0: cop, just a terrible police officer,
1: kind of crooked too, though i mean in the in the beginning, it, it works out for him, but he does a lot of things that he's not supposed to do, like, you know what I mean like but I a feel lot like of, he like, does
0: it with an innocent jest
1: to it. I, I do love he's like <laughs> he's like, all right, why don't you tell me all about the law book <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um and then threatens her with jail because she does, she doesn't want him to come in, which you know he's not you know really probably shouldn't. Uh, but then he hears a noise, and then he finds a body of her husband, and that's how this whole thing sort of starts.
0: Yes, um, the the kid, the little kid that approaches him as he's leaving, um, and he raps to yeah. him. I actually rewound it to try to listen. If he does actually tell who it who it is, and he yeah.
1: does, who is
0: it? The worm.
1: I yeah, I still couldn't figure it out from that, but it is the worm. Um, this is where we'll talk about where I think the movie could have been longer. All right. Um, go ahead. So, do you know who plays the worm in this movie? No, I have no idea. Orlando Jones. Really. And all of his scenes, kind of explaining that character more, are cut. And I, so I could have had. 10 do we minutes... even
0: do we even really see Orlando Jones? Nope. No. Okay.
1: So if we had cut ten minutes of William H Macy at the bar, maybe we could have gotten a little more of the Worm story, which I was highly more interested in.
0: William H Macy at the bar. The most unbearable character in this entire movie is that old gay man at the bar that speaks in rhymes and riddles we could have just completely done without his character and really we could have fleshed out brad the bartender a lot more i feel like i mean brad the
1: bartender is clearly i don't think is gay oh i thought he was gay I mean, maybe. Is that a gay bar? It didn't look like a gay bar. No, I don't I think I don't it was, a gay but, but, but Brad
0: like. seemed really into the old gay man. That was literally throwing him money.
1: Well, I think you just described why Brad was into the old gay man. <laughs> I don't know, but we'll get back to it when we get to it. Um, so right after this, we get the first Tom Cruise scene. Well, before that, we get Earl saying that Frank Mackey is his son. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, which, by the way, like, such a, like, understated, like, not going for Philip Seymour Hoffman, which I is, like, different. Not my favorite, but it's also just, like, he's so good at that, too. And apparently, PTA wrote that as, like, the way he sees Philip Seymour Hoffman as, like, how he was as a person. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Because he's just, like, such a nice, sweet guy in this. I love Philip Seymour Hoffman, so.
0: No, of course. I think he's actually one of the one of the best, was one of the best actors of our time. Um, I I uh, I find it interesting about his roles because he is such a strong, amazing actor. But he had a small role in Boogie Nights. He had a small role in Punch Drunk Love. He has a small role in this. Um, small role in Twister and i feel like he could really like um must i go on how amazing i think the master is but i feel like he finally got the role he
1: deserved in that oh yeah no absolutely agree he was in actually he was in paul thomas Anderson's first movie too um (laughs) <laughs> I also wrote a note that I was like the guy that plays the dying guy Earl does a really great job and then he died like a year later of cancer and I was like all right well method um, I guess <laughs>
0: I I uh, I thought he did a really good job too. I actually actually I thought everyone did a really good job. I stopped believing you know when you watch Tom Cruise movies you you can never get it out of your head that that's Tom Cruise. Mhm. I Actually, um, forgot it was Tom Cruise playing a character for a second, and I completely believe that that was just this fucked up dude. Um, I th- I thought he did amazing, even though you don't think he's
1: a great actor. Do you think he had the hair for Magnolia, or he was growing it out for MI two, and he kept it for Magnolia? that one
0: although it really really worked just everything just the way he moves his hair the watch bracelet thick leather strap the vest everything was just so those types of people
1: yeah yeah no i'm like i said i mean this is like this has made me think that he's like this is his best role like i Obviously, I've seen him in other things that I think he was great in. Um, There's two lines in the film that
0: I think are the best lines in the movie. And one is said by Tom Cruise. And that is, and I'll get to the second one, but not quite yet. But the, the line said by Tom Cruise is when he leans um, into the the interview woman's ear and says, you better get out of here. This is not a safe place for you. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's also creepy. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk more about the start of that interview too. Uh also but uh right before this too, before we meet Tom Cruise, we get Julianne Moore talking to like I uh, we can just talk about her whole like a, a bunch of her scenes, but first she's like going to what I thought was like a lawyer, but I guess it's a doctor who writes her a prescription for like morphine that'll basically like kill her husband. And at that point you're like, oh, so she's kind of like she's going after her money. Cause then she next goes to another doctor for more drugs. Right. And we're like, Oh, right. She's trying to just finally kill him off. Cause, cause... Then she actually
0: goes to a lawyer.
1: Yeah. Right. Like her, the, the arc of her is like, kind of like keeping stuff, keeping information away from us. So we think of her one way until the big reveal when she goes to the lawyer, um, which we'll get to eventually, but her, her part is very interesting. It's it's very minimal though, right? Like her her whole arc takes like, what, eight minutes?
0: You know, I. the more we talk about this, the more I think we probably should take one character and completely flesh out their story before moving
1: on to the next, or it's just going to con- be very confusing. Um, yeah, let's do it that way. And, you know, it would be funny to do it that way too, because I honestly thought this movie could have been an anthology movie you 100%. could have you could have just taken each person's character arc and like put them in a what maybe think about this as we're talking you know let's no let's try to do it now let's decide which character arc needed to go first for this to be like make the most sense
0: i'm thinking either probably jimmy gator
1: or um Philip Parma. So I think Jimmy Gator's and Stanley's have to be kind of together. So I think the one that matters the least that needs to be put out in the beginning is uh William H. Macy's. <laughs> you really hate that fucker. <laughs> no, I love William H. Macy. I just this character I just don't care about. And it's like it's just like a slightly different version of him getting like <laughs> of his character in Boogie Nights. And Fargo. Yeah, it's like a combination of those two. Honestly.
0: William H. Macy is a very good at playing the 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 loser that everything bad happens to um, in a very ironic way. So, yeah, let's just start with him and get him out of the way. Why don't we do that? So William H. Macy used to be a prodigy child that won a lot of money on a game show, which basically... Um,
1: uh, not humility. Like uh, no. It's just kind of robbed him of his childhood, and then we find out that his his f- parents stole his money. Which he, I, like, I hear a lot of child actor parents do that. Yeah, like after it happened to Macaulay Culkin, there was like some laws put in place in different places. Um, so then he, in the beginning of the film, is getting like braces and he goes into his job, and they're like, you're fired because you're not selling. Now, I was trying to figure out, I guess that has to be the only reason. It's just because he's not a good salesman, right? There didn't seem to be any like, other motives.
0: It's funny, too, because it seems like the only reason he was hired is because he used to be famous as a child. So they thought, the, the people at the electronic furniture shop thing, I'm still unclear about that, but um, they thought if they hired him, that would bring them in more customers because he used to be a child a famous child actor contestant thing and uh it didn't work and he's just a horrible salesman so they were just like you're done
1: right um
0: so he he can't be done right because he needs um he needs to fund his oral surgery
1: Right, and this is then the scene where he goes into the bar and he, like I guess, just goes to that bar a lot just to watch Brad. And Brad has braces. Yeah, and so you immediately pick up as the audience what's happening, but you're just like, that's what is so stupid. And then he gets more and more drunk talking with this old rhyming gay man at the end of the bar who's also interested in Brad. And so then he confesses his love to Brad. Um, and while you were mentioning this, I forgot, like, I do love how, like, the Solomon and Solomon brothers are just, like, what, what? you have, like, perfect teeth. Like, you don't need braces. What are you doing here? Like, you why do you need money for braces? And that scene, too, is, like, William H. I think the scene where he's getting fired is William H. Macy's best scene in the movie, too. Like, it's his best acting, and, like, it's his talents used, to, like, to the fullest, and Alfred Molina just getting, like, a small bit part in it. The
0: fact that Alfred Molina was in that. I was literally watching that and I was like that's Doc Ock. <laughs> It'll always be Doc Ock to you. Um, is it so going to be then, the Boogie Nights druggy, uh, drug kingpin mm-hmm. to you?
1: Or is Probably. he Fiddler
0: on the Roof to you?
1: I've never seen Fiddler on the Roof. Huh. Is that a Christmas movie? That's a tragedy. Uh, so he then confesses his love to Brad and then, throws up in the toilet. And then um, goes home. And then goes home and plots to steal from Solomon and Solomon.
0: Well, before that, he sings a little song.
1: But we'll get to, we'll get to that later. Let me get to that later. You want to do this all at once? Yeah, Are you but that's up doesn't, on your idea.
0: No, no, it just doesn't make sense to talk about how they all break into musical about three fourths of the way the film is finished.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, Honestly, I think PTA was right, and this doesn't really make sense to do this way. But I do like getting rid of William H. Macy so we don't have to talk about him until he meets up with John C. Riley at the end.
0: So, well, basically, just to end, end his story arc, is that he goes to plot the, the job that fired him. Uh, he robs it, and then he has a change of heart, and he goes to return the money, but the key broke in the lock, so he can't get back in. So he tries to, <laughs> he tries to climb... Up to the roof, I guess.
1: Yeah, but then the frogs
0: hit him off. He breaks all his teeth. I think this is going to take a lot of time, but I think where we can save a lot of time in doing this is Philip Parma and uh, Linda, Julian Moore's character, and Earl uh, Simmons. Simmons? No, Partridge,
1: right? yeah that's all one story that's all one story, Stanley and Jimmy are one story um and then uh jimmy Gators and then the cop Jimmy and Claudia are one story like those I, are i agree um so next the next thing that happens in the movie because now we've we we're gonna we're gonna give up on what we're trying to do well, the next thing I found interesting is when Jimmy goes to see his daughter Claudia and The way she yells at him is she's portrayed as just this drug addict, right? Because he's coming there like, I know we don't talk, but I'm dying. And she's like, get the fuck out. I don't care. Don't ever come here again. You're like, that's a little tough. Which would
0: only make sense if she's
1: a drug addict or... Yeah, eventually we find out that he molested her, which his response in the end, jumping way far ahead... Like what? Fucking two and a half hours ahead is. I don't know if I did it. It's like, what the fuck do you mean? You don't know if you did it, asshole? <laughs> like, clearly that means you did it.
0: So, right that that does right. Um, you know, if like, have you ever been in a situation where you've done something or you've witnessed something done, uh, and you? Almost get to the point where you convince yourself that that never happened just for your own like sake of sanity the I don't know from him basically i don't know if it's if it's basically an admittance of guilt that that he did do it i mean he okay, don't get me wrong, he definitely did do it, but I actually believe him if he didn't know if he did it
1: well. Maybe, except the wife clearly knows that he did it, right?
0: No, he definitely did it. But just for his own sanity, he might have made himself forget almost.
1: I guess. I don't know. But the fact that, I mean, it's also like a little bit like she seems like she might be culpable in this, right? Because she, the fact that she knows to ask the question, like why does she know to ask the question? Is she
0: a, um, a stepmom to Claudia or she's Claudia's mom?
1: I think she's his mom. She's her mom. She, because when you see, when they're talking about the loving wife, they show a picture of that woman and Claudia and him, like in that opening montage. Okay. Okay. Um, we already talked about the kid uh, rapping. Um, this is now when we first meet Stanley. Um, and his dad is a prick from the jump, yes. And it only gets worse, he's like the most. I mean, fucking Jimmy Gator's a um, child molester, and the dad may be the most irredeemable character in the movie. <laughs> Stanley's dad. Um, I do,
0: I do want to talk about how at the end there's a line that is read a specific way that I feel like he's not as irredeemable as you might. Think he is
1: but go to bed
0: yeah but it's the second way he says it the second time he says it
1: like right you've earned the ability to sleep son go to bed <laughs> okay he's an asshole but you're well, talking about we he, meet him when he's at school right when stanley's at school well we meet them when he needs to take him to school and apparently the dad's got like a fucking interview or a callback or some bullshit and he's yelling at his kid for bringing four different bags of books but it's like that's like making you money, what do you mean? Why are you bitching about the bags of books? like that's how he's being successful right now, so it's just like illogical.
0: yeah, I love those other two kids on that game show that they're they're just there to to become child actors, basically, and they're both dumb, <laughs> yeah, and Stanley is just the one basically carrying this whole thing.
1: yeah, and then the dad yells at Stanley again for not waiting outside when the dad is late for like the record setting show that he wants to take Stanley to, Right. Um, and then once they get to the studio, I don't know if you noticed this, but it's like a one long shot throughout as they follow different people throughout the studio. Yeah. I always, always enjoy that. I think PTA does that as well. Um, especially. I think he doesn't, he didn't do that. I didn't notice none of that in the master or um, there will be blood though. Maybe he's decided that. He was uh he was doing a little too much. He's going he's going to the dice move a little too many times. A little gimmicky there, but um,
0: the uh, the scene where Stanley is kind of being taken care of and it's like being put in hair and makeup. Um, it really is like that. Like I remember uh remember when we watched the Shia LaBeouf movie.
1: Oh, where he's a child actor and he plays his dad? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Honey Boy.
0: Honey Boy, yes.
1: Um, Didn't Stanley's part remind you a lot of Honey Boy? Just being like forced to do it and being yelled at it all the time. and Like, oh, you can take a piss at a different commercial break, but it's too late now.
0: Right, and then um, like basically your actual parents treat you like shit, but the studio kind of takes care of you until they – Until you become inconvenient to their viewership and then it's like, fuck you? Yeah.
1: Also, why are you doing a live television show with kids on it? Like, can't tape delay that? I mean... Seems unnecessary to be live. uh,
0: Isn't um, a Jeff Foxworthy show? Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Isn't that live? I don't think so. Yeah. Um... (laughs) So the next we get it's not live because if a kid had a piss, a kid has the piss, you know?
1: Yeah. Just notice his clothes changed. Um, so right after this, we get uh John C. Riley going to Claudia's. And I think we can talk about most of this all at the same time, but he very clearly, as the door opens and he even admits to it later, like is in fact fe- like is like love at first sight with her, like right away, or just like, oh, I think she's really fucking hot. Yeah cause he immediately like puts away his, his baton and is like, Oh, you know, can you turn it down and let's just have a conversation. Um, I I do think that it's edited a little weird and there's probably, I think there is a scene missing here or a little bit missing here. It just seems like a switch for Claudia where she's just like, wants to avoid going to jail because she has drugs in her apartment to wanting to be asked out by this guy. Cause The whole scene which i really love the way it's shot but the whole scene where he's asking for coffee and he's like oh well, hold on i need to do my i need to do my police work first so that we can enjoy our cup of coffee but that whole scene is shot like as one camera that's in the kitchen as they walk in and out of the kitchen which i thought was really cool yeah um but that whole like that whole scene i'm just like like she doesn't really seem into him and then all of a sudden we like come back to it and she's like do you want to take me out tonight you know yeah, it's. I think you can answer that question with, uh, "Is drugs, David?" No, I don't think it's drugs. I just. She, I think she went in the city. back room.
0: She snorted a line of coke, and then she came out much peppier than she was. And that's when she was into like, take me out on a date, Officer Jimmy, whose first name is my father's first name. So that's weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is weird. She'll call him Jim probably.
0: Is or that John, even
1: better. Or, or John C. Um, so, next we get uh, Julianne Moore going to get more drugs, which I already talked about. But I do want to talk about the pharmacy scene now where she like flips out. Um, and one thing I didn't notice, but uh, I read, is that the pharmacist is named like, I forget what. Say the, the pharmacist in the beginning that gets murdered name is Edward. The pharmacist that gives her the drugs, his name tag says Ed Jr. It's just a little like Easter egg.
0: Yeah, actually that I love that scene. That was my favorite. I didn't like her character. I honestly didn't really care what happened to her, even though I guess she was not as bad as we thought. I just thought she was kind of
1: annoying. Her character is more of a foil for the movie. She's not she has her own arc that we learn about but her character is really kind of to interrupt other things and to potentially cause some, like she's kind of like the stakes, right? Because she's getting these drugs. Eventually we find out to kind of end her husband Earl's pain. And it's like a, will Tom Cruise get there in time thing?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Which is kind of played up like, you know, it builds anticipation. Um, I also think the the scene of Philip Seymour Hoffman right after this ordering porno mags, just like, just like such like a teenager too. He's like, I get bread and peanut butter and I don't need water. But um, do you have Hustler? Do you have Playboy? <laughs> just and then I love that the lady on the line is like, "Well, do you even want the bread and peanut butter?" He's like, huh, "What? Why? <laughs> why? Why are you asking?" <laughs> I was wondering that too. I was like, "Why? Why did she ask that?" But then because, I was like.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you always order like five things you don't need and then you
1: order the porn mags. Right. Um, And then we get back to the best part of this movie, which is Tom Cruise with um, very clearly a boner in his underwear. He's he's dancing around in front of an interviewer. Um, The boner is going to his immediate left. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that was a real tomcat boner or if that was like a a prosthesis put in his underwear um yeah i don't know it's really all i have on that i don't know why Uh,
0: i think one of the most interesting line reads is when he's sitting there barking at her like a dog and she goes i knew this would happen calm down
1: (laughs) that interview was kind of weird um super weird because i you know, he's like, oh, you're attacking me because she's asking story, you know, for information about his history, right? Right. But we never get from that. What is the point of this article? Because I'm just assuming, and maybe this is because I live now, right? But if there was some guy famous for what Tom Cruise is famous for in this movie, peddling that now, there would be hit piece after hit piece on him, right? But it seems like she's doing like a, an introspective story where she's like wanting to find out about his parents and like maybe psychologically like diagnose him. I don't know. It just seemed weird that like, I thought there'd be more questions about like, isn't what you're doing fucking disgusting. (laughs) Like, aren't you a bad person? But it it, like, it never got there. Right. And so it's like, she was also putting up with like a lot of shit from him.
0: You could tell that she was feeding into, his own ego. Like, she didn't fall for anything for a second. And about the whole, like, aren't you disgusting for what you're doing thing, she gets to that, but she gets to that in a way that he does not, like, he probably gets it all the time, right? He probably gets that kind of stuff asked to him all the time. And he's so cocky and egotistical that he's, like, prepared for it. He knows how to answer those types of questions. But she, tricks him up a bit right she's like so we never found your school records with your name he's like oh because my name has changed oh because i never really even attended those classes you know so he's 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 not ashamed of kind of being a fake right but then she's like oh well your mom died and blah 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 raised you and your actual parents are are the partridges And, you know, yada, yada, yada. Is that why, because you grew up with no mom and your dad ran away, is that why you do the shit you do? So she gets to that, but she gets to that at a much more
1: psychological base that he was not expecting. I guess, but it's, to me, it seemed like she was taking him a lot more serious than someone might today. I think she was faking it. I guess... I would I would love to see what the article was eventually going to be. It just, it, it was weird how we got to it to me. The
0: surprising, and I guess you could call it a reveal, but the surprising thing to me was he had to go back out on stage after that interview.
1: Yeah. And I, I think his acting in that initial part, or in that part, was better than like the initial acting too, where he's like, he's still putting on that normal show, but as the, like as the us who has more information than his audience in the movie, we can tell something's a little bit off. And then he kind of just flips the fucking table. Cause he's so annoyed. Yeah. Um, I mean, and part of that was because he had heard about his dad too. Right. We have this whole, I mean that what, what we just talked about covered maybe like two hours of this movie where he's like interviewing this whole time. She starts going after him and he just shuts down. And then like his his watch beeps. He's like, all right, time's up. And she's like, You just fucking let the clock run out. And he's like, Yeah, because you were trying to get to me. And then he sort of like oversteps the line and gets in her face and she like freaks out. Understandably. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, that she was all
0: pushes him.
1: Well, because he I mean, yeah, what he did was wrong. Pushes him. Um so yeah, it's like that whole yeah. I mean, that covers like two hours of the movie. So no, I was just gonna say I like all the uh,
0: the mantras of like respect the so the, the the whole thing. The whole build to Tom Cruise's character is he's very um, misogynistic, right? So he's like respect the cock. Um, all women's are bitches and cunts and yada yada. But then at the end of it, he's like. Men are shit. And I think that was the most truthful thing that he actually believed he said. He turned it around to make it more appealing to his audience, obviously. But I feel like he was really talking about his dad. Did did you feel like he was talking about his dad when he was saying men are all men are shit?
1: No, yeah, that was I think that was the point of that. Um I do like how he we... In the beginning, he's like, Oh, and you know, you'll need female friends. That's how we set up uh, jealousy traps later on, but that's more advanced. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Please turn to chapter 23 to uh, uh invent a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know how many different colored books there were. We know about blue and white. How many different books were there? I want to know how many actual people
0: give and follow this
1: exact kind of advice. Uh, well, he's based off like a real dude. I looked the guy up. The guy's like pretty old now. But um, what I, I, I want to talk about. He's still about... getting a lot of snatch. You proud of yourself? Yeah. I want to talk about Luis Guzman. As I'm watching this, I'm like, Luis
0: <laughs> oh, know... Guzman's there for five seconds. All right, so now we're switching to the Jimmy Gator Stanley arc,
1: right? Yeah, a little bit. Just for a little bit. I, um, as I'm watching this, I was like, we have everyone from Boogie Nights except Don Cheadle and Luis Guzman. And Don Cheadle never makes an appearance, but Luis Guzman is put in a perfect fucking position. I love as he's walking up to the stage, he's just talking about, he's like, listen, if if they ask questions about dairy, I'm fucking here, I got it. Like goat cheese, goat milk, I know all, all of it." And then not to be outdone with that, but as Stanley is answering every fucking question, Luis Guzman is just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Which also clearly means he's not watched this show at all. Wait, wait, wait. The <laughs> best part
0: is when uh, Jimmy Gator does the opera question. And he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this in English. You tell me the opera and the native language. And for 250 bonus points, If you can tell me the, uh, if you can sing to me. No, he didn't know it was French. He had to tell me it was French. And if you can sing it to me in the native language, operatically, you get the bonus points. And Stanley just goes right for it.
1: Like perfect pitch and everything. I was like, holy shit. No, yeah, that was, (laughs) I think that's the point when Luis Guzman goes like, what the fuck is going on here? (laughs) (laughs) I like uh, how
0: he, he kept getting into fights with the, with the other kid. The, uh, cursing, the fat one the cursing. Well, he, the cursing kid. <laughs> Everyone's like,
1: you can't, you can't curse. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up, Cynthia. <laughs> um, now let's go back to Philip Seymour Hoffman gets his porno mags. Mm-hmm. And, you then realize you know that earl asks him if he has a girlfriend earlier and then he orders the porno mags afterwards and i was like i guess that's why he's ordering them and then he as he's like going through them very quickly i was like oh because he's looking for the phone number for the ad Um, how
0: did he know that he would be in the porno mags?
1: because he's looked at those magazines before
0: is that the only way i think it's safe
1: to say that Phil Parma has jerked off before, Alan. It's a risky uh, analysis, but okay, I'll take it. Um, right now, you just Google the number. Or in 2002, Punch Drunk Love, you would call the operator <laughs> and you get it. So I don't know that he needed to spend $30 on porn mags, but that's what he did. Pretty cheap for porn mags, honestly.
0: Is it? 30 bucks for bread, peanut butter, and three porn mags? That's doing pretty well. In 1999, though. Oh, wow. Well, I was thinking of today's
1: standards. Today's standards a porn mag is like 30 bucks. Not that I would know. So at this point in the movie, everything is going at such a fast pace. We're like going back and forth and so much is happening. Like Julianne Moore is getting yell- is yelling at the pharmacist because they're giving her like dirty looks about buying so much drugs stanley and the kids are getting their ass kicked by like the other the the adults because stanley is just shut down because no one will let him pee john c Riley is like asking out uh claudia on a date or he leaves he leaves just sort of stick yeah and then just stands there and then his baton falls then he's like fuck she knows i'm here i might as well go back in there and asks her out and then they you know they're gonna go out later and then all this stuff with Jimmy Gator about the fact that he has cancer and he's going to, you know, he only has a couple months and like, then he faints, you know, all of this is happening at the same time. And it's like back and forth and so quick paced. And like all of all the Tom Cruise stuff that you just talked about with like, hit, you know, him lying about his schooling and lying about the fact that his mom is still around, but his dad's dead, which is clearly just like, as we find out, like projection of like what he wanted to have happened, because his mom died and his dad's still around. Right. Um, And I I think,
0: uh, well, I, I think everything is happening at such a fast pace, but where you're saying it, it leaves off. I feel like there's so much more of the movie left. Oh, by the way, are you watching all of this? And while you're watching all of this, because of the, uh, the, beginning of this film are you sitting there thinking how
1: is this all going to connect with each other yeah but i don't honestly think it does that great of a job like the stuff that i thought was going to connect connected in a very obvious way and then like like, as far as what as far as jimmy gator and uh, well the fact that he molested his daughter like that i never saw coming right but um, the fact that Tom Cruise was the son of this guy, we find out in the first five minutes, and then it's just like a slow roll of when we actually get them to meet.
0: That's true. But the only the only thing I see all of these storylines combining is that <sighs> Jimmy Gator is a host of this kid's show. The kid's show has Stanley on it, but the TV program is is produced by the Earl Partridge production.
1: Stu- yeah, I know. But that's like such a tenuous like connection. Like, but that's what I mean though. But the stories aren't connected at all.
0: No, they're not. But that's what I'm asking. Did you feel like they would be because of how the beginnings
1: kind of set it up? I did. But like instead, they're just like kind of two separate stories. And then William H. Macy's like third almost completely unrelated story. Almost, I do, th- I do think William H. Macy and John C. Reilly meeting at the end kind of makes that important. Like you need that for John C. Reilly's purposes, um, you know, because it kind of develops him into maybe a little more likable character as a cop. Yeah. Because like as the audience, you see, oh, William H. Macy has had a horrible fucking life. He does this really bad thing. But then he regrets it and tries to fix it. And when the key breaks in the in the back door, I was like, "Oh, that's going to be what catches him." But then he comes back and like tries to open. He's like, "Ah, oh, fuck, I fucked up." But because John C. Riley like catches uh, William H. Macy like breaking into the store, and then hears his story and like how sad he sounds, he's just like, "All right, well, let's just go put the money back, and then I'm just going to let you go." Yeah. Um. because we feel so bad for William H. Macy because you always feel bad for William H. Macy in every movie almost <laughs> that may be far ago. Um, you're like, oh, all right, I, John C. Reilly, I guess you're not that bad of a guy. You're, you're, you're a good cop. Like you may, and he even has this monologue about like, you know, you have to know when it's right to arrest and when it's right to da, 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 da. And so like, I think he, that he has it- this monologue to himself, by the way. <laughs> what's like the third monologue that he has to himself. It's like he's he's speaking into like a tape recorder in his police car when he's not doing anything. Like a Twin Peaks sort of thing, yeah. Never seen Twin Peaks. (gasps) Shocking. Another tragedy. Um, And then like we get a little bit towards the end of the game show part of it. Um, Jimmy Gator has passed out. And Stanley his pants. Stanley pissed his pants. And then the dad comes down because he's like, Why the fuck is Stanley not answering any of the questions? Like, get your shit together. You pissed your pants. And then it goes back to the end, and there's this final question, which basically I guess none of the other questions matter because this final question will win it all. And Stanley's like, I'm not fucking doing it. And the fat kid and the little girl are like, Well, no, we want Stanley doing it. And Stanley's like, well, That's too fucking bad. I'm not doing it. And then he gives this whole speech. It's like, you know, you are just a stupid little kid. I don't really understand what you're going with the Stanley. And it's like, you know, what, just. What? Man, I didn't like it. Honestly, a lot less Stanley in this movie would have made me happy, too. He's the second person I would have cut so I could have gotten some Orlando Jones. Wow. Wow. That's actually really surprising coming from you, David, because usually you have a soft spot for kids.
0: But uh, yeah, he's kind of like a preteen. OK, too too old for you yeah um the the thing is though is that he has a really good point that he is smart he is gifted it should be amazing and 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 reveled but he's basically a monkey with those little symbols that you know people point and laugh at and it is a tragedy that that is the case with him um but I will agree with you that he is a stupid little kid if he thinks raining frogs is like a normal thing that things happen this way.
1: I guess. I don't know. I stopped paying attention when he was on the screen towards the end. It just it didn't do it for me.
0: He was looking out the window. The frogs were raining down.
1: And he's like, I guess these are the way things are. He's like, no. I do like, and this is something we haven't talked about, the whole Philip Seymour Hoffman arc at this point where he like calls the random number where you buy the seduce and destroy system and he's just like listen man if this were a movie this is the part of the movie where you help me because this is like this is it that like i need you I, I do love like the like the meta commentary on that where it's like you know describing it as a movie because that's exactly what it is um and then at the same time too we get julian moore's kind of big reveal where she's like I never loved him. I married him and had sex with him for his money. And then at some point in taking care of him as he's dying, I now love him. And because of how awful I feel, I don't want his money. Um, and something very like, that is never, I thought was going to be revealed in the movie and wasn't. And yet I still believe it. Julian Moore talks about how, she was really, really awful to him that she cheated on him. And then she accentuates like, I was really bad to him. And so bad that I want to give away all the money I was supposed to get. And then the lawyer's like... But not to his son. Right. But then the lawyer's like, well, it would all go to Frankie. She's like, if that can't happen. He doesn't want it to go to Frankie. I think that Tom Cruise's character and Julianne Moore's character had sex?
0: I don't. And the only reason I don't, I'll back this up, is that somehow Julianne Moore's character lives after she basically ODs in her car, right? And is found by the same little rapping kid uh, it it ends with insinuating that Tom Cruise now has to take care of his stepmom that he's never met, allegedly never met, and uh, that I thought I thought that was kind of like the repentance thing where now he has to take care of her and she's the sick one or she's in like a comatose state so i thought that's was the point of all that not that she slept with him
1: but he So here's the thing though is like this is a, a strange person that has not been in earl's life but she not only knows about him but is like he doesn't want that he can't get anything But then in these other scenes, you have Earl, like, I want to talk to my son.
0: Are you also like the way she hit Philip Parma because he invited him over or he was trying to get him invited over?
1: And then at the very end, when uh, he's telling Tom Cruise that about her in the hospital, I think I think Tom Cruise says her name first. Which is like, how is Linda or something like that? Like, it's these very subtle things that I thought was going to be a big reveal. Like, I thought there was going to be a scene in the hospital.
0: No, he talks and- about Linda way before that because he, he hears it from Philip and he – or something like that. And he goes, oh, what's her name? Linda? He says something like that first. He does know her name. You are right. But he says it with such a kind of an uncertainty. I don't know. Okay. I, li- I like that theory, though, even if it's just a, a theory. I don't know. I believe it.
1: I believe it in my bones, in my plums. So, you think that's the bad, bad thing she did? I think so. Cause to me, it's obvious. Like, Earl probably knows she cheated on him. Not with her
0: son. Not with his son. No,
1: that's what I'm saying. But just how bad it was and how insistent. Now, you could say she's a, she has become a loving wife and she thinks this is what Earl wouldn't want. And so that's why she's that insistent. But, I don't know. And the other thing is, like, she's like, "I don't want the money." He's like, "Well, you can just renounce it, and you know, it'll go." And she's like, "No, I don't want that either." It's like, "Okay, well, why don't you take it, and then just give it all away to charity, and give it away to whoever you want." It's like, but it doesn't she, have to, doesn't have to she, be this
0: dramatic. That's true. But then she tries to kill herself. And wouldn't if she killed herself, wouldn't it all go to Jack anyways?
1: Uh, not probably. Jack. Not Jack. Um, well, his name is Jack, but it's also Frank. he's frank tj Mackey. um yeah probably well and this is the other thing too so as right after that scene with the lawyer she goes home and you have philip seymour hoffman on the phone with the assistant and you're like oh she's going to come in and ruin this she's going to make him hang up yeah and then the dogs start barking at the door and you see her sitting in the garage you're like oh she's going to kill herself right and a little bit of a redemptive thing for her she is going to kill herself and then she looks over and sees the medicine she's like he's in pain i have to go take care of him yeah and then she goes in and is gonna take care of him and it's like she's about to put the medicine in and then she's like oh i can't do it which is the whole anticipation created in us of like is tom cruise gonna get to see him before he dies and like He does see him, but it's like a kind of a one-sided conversation because at that point, Philip Seymour Hoffman has given him the medicine. Yep. But I guess it is what Tom Cruise needed in that moment. And maybe maybe uh, Earl was able to hear a little bit of him calling him a cocksucker. I don't know.
0: One one can only hope. Um, Also, does Tom Cruise have a
1: change of heart in the end? Probably not. Um, I think he does a little bit, especially with all the crying that looked really awful. Yeah. Um,
0: Are we going to kind of wrap up with the Philip Parma Frank storyline? Because I would like to mention my second favorite line comes at this point of the film when Philip Seymour Hoffman looks out the window and goes, Oh, there's frogs running from the sky.
1: <laughs> well, let's take everything up to the moment there's frogs. Um, so we get this Tom Cruise finally comes. I do love how insistent he is that he's going to fucking drop kick a dog if it touches him, which like the dogs are pretty low to the ground. So I don't even understand the logistics of why you would drop <laughs> kick the dog. Just kick the dog if you're going to kick a dog. I really, really thought we were going to have a scene where Tom Cruise drop kicks the dog. yeah um and then he's like doesn't want to go in there and then i think he does ask if if linda's there and she's like no she left because she is about to give the medicine to earl and then she's like i can't do this just tell earl i'm sorry and tell him everything will be okay and i need to walk away from him right now and i think in that moment as the audience i knew like oh she's gonna go try and kill herself again
0: with the medicine which i didn't see coming
1: yeah, which I guess part of it was for him and part of it was for her. It's like a split a split cocktail she had going on.
0: Yeah, um when Well, so yeah. So would you say that PT Anderson has a specific style about him or like at least a, maybe a, a tonality that's specific to him in his films? Because compare this, right, to Boogie Nights. I feel tonally, they could be kind of on the same track, right? Dark, but has humorous, like, things that happen. You could even say that about Punch Drunk Love. But there will be blood. takes such a hard right turn away from, I guess you would call this as normal stuff.
1: Yeah, but if you think about it, so... I think this movie is like right in between Boogie Nights and Punch Drunk Love. the um, The scenes of the date with Claudia and John C. Riley are like straight out of Punch Drunk Love, which obviously this came first, right? But so Boogie Nights came out, in I think either '96 or '97. This came out in '99, and then Punch Drunk Love came out in 2002. Which so those are a little bit of a stretch, but I think all those movies and his first movie, Hard Eight. Are also all kind of very similar, okay. and then 2002 to 2007, he doesn't make anything, and then he makes There Will Be Blood, and that is a completely different movie than his normal style. At least stylistically, it feels a lot different. There's like, I think a lot less use of the music that it like is used in this and Boogie Nights and Punch Drunk Love, which just like filled with sound the whole time. Yeah, and but I mean like. There Will Be Blood and The Master, I can tell that's the same director, right? Like, I think you can too.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And then I think both you and I have not seen his, uh, the two after that.
0: Licorice Pizza and Phantom Thread?
1: No, Phantom Thread and Inherent Vice. And then Licorice Pizza, obviously, like, is is just in theaters now. It's not everywhere, so I know you haven't seen that.
0: I really want to see Inherent Vice... Phantom Thread, I still don't really care about that much, but I'm beginning to really like PTA, so. Well,
1: oh, that's good. It's good that you're beginning to like him. Is Dude, he Master, he's Ma- on me. Masters, You said Master's like one of your favorite movies. It's like, oh, it's good. It's good you're liking him.
0: It's funny because I, I think I like the Master not because of the direct, the direction, but just because of the acting performances from it, most of all.
1: Right. Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in that is like a slightly different snake oil salesman than the Tom Cruise character in this, right? They're just selling different things.
0: And and uh Daniel Day-Lewis and there will be blood.
1: Yeah. But in that, I guess yeah, but he's like, like he does have to sell stuff, but it's it's a little bit different like I guess I don't know how to describe it. I guess it's not that much different. It feels different. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get your shit. It's kind of like that Paul Dano character,
0: right? It's like uh, almost an in-between.
1: Uh, yeah. They're,
0: they're both selling something, just different people are buying.
1: Yeah. And one's like a, yeah. But I mean, what's funny though, in There Will Be Blood, he's not really selling anything. He's sort of just taking things from people, right? He, he's, he's letting them in. He's basically like, I'll do all the work if you like lease me this this oil. And then you'll get a small bit and maybe I'll build you a school. Sounds fair. Um, real quick. So yeah, let's just run out the Tom Cruise thing until and, and the frogs, but um, he's the, he's the worst crier, like one of the worst criers. Like, I don't get off of so it. bad.
0: Keep So, I mean, I think basically he's at his father's feet crying, bad crying, but I crying. Think, I don't
1: think he's at his feet. He's like listen. at his arm. Listen, dude, listen. He's laying down. The father's Log- laying down. He's like almost near his head. Logistics to, aside,
0: see? logistics aside, I think we're at the Tom Cruise part right before the frog. So if you want to skip over to Jimmy, let's go. Let's skip over to Jimmy for a second. Uh, Officer Jimmy, Officer Jim. Um,
1: yeah, go for it. Okay, so he he gets off of his date with. Um, well, you've skipped over the beginning of that, right? Well, so they plan the date. We oh shoot! About. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. They plan the date, and then he is leaving, and he sees a suspicious character in a hoodie that he decides, "I got to go see what's going on here." And then he just gets shot at, presumably by Orlando Jones. And then this is where you figure out he's a bad cop because he drops his gun. Before that, I like I didn't have any inkling that he was a bad cop. Although when you look back at the scene where he's standing in the apartment and all the other cops are talking about what happened there, he should be the one talking, but they're all talking, he's trying to like get an, a word in and they're just like ignoring him. Yeah. But when he drops his gun and like a 6-year-old grabs it, then you're like, okay, bad cop as he hides in the bushes, the the um, the worm grabbed it, not a 6-year-old. No, the little kid grabbed it. The little kid, the rapper kid? Yeah, and Worm actually grabbed that kid. The little kid was with him. So the little kid grabbed the gun and Worm grabbed the kid? Worm had previously grabbed the kid. There's a scene where Worm walks into an apartment and the little kid's there and he grabs him. Yes, okay. And then in that scene, the little kid grabs the gun and runs off and then the Worm follows him a little bit after. The Worm had his own gun. He didn't need the little kid gun. <laughs> and also, I mean, the worm's smart enough to know, like, having a cop's gun, that's a little too much heat. I wonder what the little kid did with it. He gave it to that's... the frogs. He what? He gave it to the frogs. Potential. Why? like, how did that gun end up there? <laughs> See, that's the thing, too, right? And you also have to think is
0: that that same little kid found Julian Moore's almost dead body in the car so the worm must have let him go after the fact
1: well yeah i don't think he was holding him hostage i think he just i i'm curious i don't know if there was any relation there um it's probably just you know they were knew each other from living in that area and so then they go on their date and this date is like the precursor to punch drunk love the most
0: awkward date
1: (laughs) a little (laughs) at least he didn't tear up a bathroom <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, "Can we just be honest with each other?" And, she, and he's like, "Sure." And then she curses. He's like, "Oh wow!" And she like almost completely shuts down. Like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to curse." Like, almost takes back everything she said because she like said the F word. He's like, "No, no. It's it's not a big deal." Um. And then they kiss. yeah And then she's just like, "All right, forget all of this. Don't contact me ever again. I don't deserve this. Bye." Yeah which you're like it's really odd until you find out what happened to her which we find out when we go back to the jimmy the gator and stanley story jimmy the gator jimmy gator jimmy the gator jimmy the gator i don't know why i said jimmy the gator maybe because gator is such a weird last name for a human being it can't be all of a all of a sudden we're talking about our martin
0: scorsese film
1: yeah he's a gangster um so Stanley refuses to go on, and then they just basically have to cut the feet of the show with no winner. I love Luis Guzman's like, that means we win. We're up on the scoreboard. And the fat kid's like, that's not how this – this isn't sports. That's not how this works. You can just make up rules.
0: Oh, I like I the, the girl, the little the, – the girl uh, child who's just there to just get a, get a M.O.W. Movie of the
1: week, well, or work in a in a Corey Haim movie, you know, whichever whichever comes first. Um, yeah, but so at this point, Stanley runs off. His dad's been an asshole throughout this, just in the green room, basically like has like the hugest ego when he's not actually doing anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Stanley immediately runs off, and what do uh what does any kid? Who uh, is trying to kick it, you know, take it to the man for, you know, using his smarts and like exploiting them. You break oh, them into a school where you study all the time <laughs> yeah. and look at a bunch of books about other child prodigies. I do want to say two things about Stanley.
0: One, when we first meet prodigies. the character.
1: I think I said prodigies. I didn't notice. Way off. Samsonite.
0: All right, your turn. Stanley the prodigy. Um, the, uh, the first time you see him, I just remember thinking, wow, what a horribly unfortunate haircut. (laughs) And also I like how when, uh, the, I don't know if it's an AD or if it's just the, the casting director who's taking care of the kids. But when she leads them around to the dressing room, she like he's he's uh inquisite about the um the weather vein he's like have you ever been up to the weather channel blah 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 and at this point she's like intrigued like she tries to figure out how he's so smart he's she's like is that how you do it you just like you're interested in like different things and like you you look them up and stuff he's like i i don't know i thought that was interesting
1: yeah Well, and she goes on to play like a somewhat similar character on Sports Night. Or Sports Night before this. I don't know. Her name's Cynthia in the movie. Yeah. And once again, before we leave this, the best part of this movie is Luis Guzman just yelling at little kids and threatening, kind of threatening to beat them up. I also like how his character's name is Luis. His character's name is Luis Guzman. He's just playing himself. Yeah,
0: pretty much. (laughs)
1: Um, and then we already talked about the uh, the Tom Cruise going back on stage, which I think is the best his best moment in this movie, and maybe the best moment in this movie. But we get Jimmy the, Jimmy the Gator home with his wife, and this is when he admits that he cheated on her, and she's like, "Is that all you did? What did you do to Claudia?" And he's like. She thinks I molested her. And she's like, Well, did you? And he's like, I don't know. And then she's like, all right, well fuck it. She thinks the same thing I think that well, if you don't know, that means you did it. If you if that's your if that's your if you can't just even straight up deny it. If if you're
0: so mentally blocked that like if you had to mentally block something out of your head that you don't know if you did something, then you you did it. Because why else would you have to mentally block something out of your head?
1: Please don't ever take legal advice from (laughs) a Um. So she decides (laughs) to leave. Uh, One one scene that we didn't talk about, which I think is really great, is, and it's probably Earl's most work he has to do, right before Philip Seymour Hoffman gives him the drugs, he goes on about, his first love lily and how he cheated on her all the time yeah and that he had to leave her um i think that's a really great part of this
0: a lot of infidelity in this in this film
1: just two really three three you think lily cheated on earl that would be four we never meet lily
0: five if you consider uh brad the bartender
1: I don't think, I don't think he's given william H. Macy any, anything that would think let <laughs> William H Macy thinks that he has to be uh, going steady with him uh, I guess that's true um, when william H. Macy by the way we'll go back to this for a second when he pulls out those all those keys, do you immediately think he's going to go rob the store and he's like made copies of them or do you just think he's weird and like what's going on here? I think he's weird. I
0: actually thought he was going to kill himself.
1: That's such a William H. Macy in a PTA movie thing to do, so.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, so, like, I thought he brought out all the keys and, like, organized all the keys because it was, like, like, if you're going to off yourself and you have, like, I don't know, storage units or, or, like, stuff locked up and you want people to find those things, when you die, wouldn't you like lay them all out and like label them and categorize them? So it's easier for people to go through your belongings once you
1: off yourself. Yeah, I don't know that people do that. It's what I would do. Thank you for making it easier for everyone.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Maybe just create a will. <laughs> um, so we already talked about the little kid following finding Julian Moore. She's passed out. Yep. Uh, we talked about the date. Yep. Um, I think we can get to the uh <laughs> to the
0: motherfucking frogs.
1: <laughs> I think we have to get to the frogs. I think we've talked about everything, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh there's frogs. Frogs everywhere. where do the frogs start? Do they start they
0: start with uh Officer Jimmy finding out about In William R. See, seeing William H. Macy try to climb the telephone pole.
1: Right. Yeah. That's when they start. Um, it's like a billion frogs. It's a billion frogs. It's a lot of frogs.
0: It basically is enough frogs to completely cover at least like
1: five blocks in L.A. Um, Right. So apparently there were 8,000, like, toy frogs, and then the rest were CGI. Okay. No real frogs? No real frogs were harmed in the making of this
0: movie. I know they weren't harmed, but was there no real frogs at all? No, because once the frogs hit the ground, they were all dead. There were some that were jumping around. That's why I asked.
1: From what I read, they're they're all dead. So they must have been CGI. Potentially um and then the frogs hit everywhere which is kind of the way you know that how close all of this is
0: yeah i i guess i mean okay so why frogs right so the reason is is because exodus 8 2 is the passage where god sends raining frogs is one of the uh plagues plagues on e- right on egypt and um you think it's a weird, it's a weird plague. It's a weird thing to do, like a weird punishment. But honestly, if they hit the ground and die, and it's billion of them, the smell alone would irritate you for weeks, if not months on end.
1: Well, but then also the ones that live just start eating your crops. You frogs, starve.
0: Frogs eat crops? I thought frogs ate flies.
1: I think they also eat Vegetables. In that episode of The Simpsons where uh, Bart brings a frog to Australia and they start eating all the crops. Jesus. Uh, (laughs) um,
0: I like how like one in every like eight movies we do, you related somehow to The Simpsons.
1: I don't think you understand how much Simpsons I watched as a kid. It was a lot. I've seen probably every episode of like the first 13 seasons multiple upon multiple times.
0: That's a... That's impressive, honestly.
1: I watched a lot of TV as a kid.
0: So, um, the frogs come, and and basically, they aid and hinder our our characters in this
1: film, and and some have absolutely no effect on our characters in this film. Well, Claudia gets really freaked out. The mom she like gets hit by a bunch, and then she's on her way to Claudia to go like console her and be like. I uh, I now know what your father did. Um, Jimmy is about to murder himself but then a frog goes through a skylight so then the gun shoots off. Gun off of his hand, yeah. And his house burns down and kills him. So he dies anyway. And does he die? So there's a, apparently a scene that was cut that makes it explicit that the house burns down but that was cut. But yeah, he dies wow see could have been a little longer like 20 30 minutes longer huh
0: well so here, here's the other thing is that that's very reminiscent of what happened in the beginning with the kid doing uh, committed suicide and then dying halfway down
1: right well, yeah but it, it's also similar to the scuba diver right it's picked up by the water brought to another place and then just dropped in this case, it dropped and it killed the dude. It's really a combination of the... If a guy was jumping off to commit suicide, but then there was a net down there, but then a scuba diver was dropped on his head and killed him upon impact, that would be like what happened with the frog and Jimmy the Gator.
0: But in the end, Jimmy Gator got what he, I guess, deserved
1: I mean he's gonna die in two months anyway from cancer. So
0: Yeah, but I feel like burning to death is a much worse dance, uh, death than
1: that. I don't know. I and don't I think we like, need to rank them.
0: I also like how he was about to like shoot himself in the head, which is a very quick death, but the frog stopped him there.
1: That is true. That is his punishment.
0: So we get that. Um, we get William H Macy getting hit in the head by a frog as he's climbing up the telephone pole, falling down, breaking all of his teeth, and now
1: actually needing oral surgery. But then he has to put the money back because John C riley like kind of catches him, which I don't. I guess John C riley would have been like, "What are you doing there?" But I think with all the frogs, he may have just been able to have been like, "Oh man, shit's crazy. All right, let's call it a day." did that that's what i would have done i mean the frogs are like a foot deep oh i also have to say
0: julianne moore on her way to the hospital and then the frogs being the cause of the ambulance flipping over
1: that's insane but she still lands like right in the er lane Which is also insane because the ambulance
0: just went faster the more the driver couldn't see through all the dead frogs. Wouldn't you, as an ambulance driver, like, put on your brakes at that point?
1: Yeah, I guess. But maybe one just, like, hit him and he freaked out. Maybe he's like, look, we are 10 feet away from this emergency room door. I got to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the last thing, and this is maybe a little bit before the frogs. I do think uh I think John C. Riley's best part in this movie is when he's explaining like to her, cause she's like, she just cursed, she thinks he's really upset about it, and she freaks out, and he's like, Listen, you're you're not gonna like me. Like, I lost my gun today. I'm a horrible cop. People make fun of me, talk down to me. Like that whole like monologue he gives, I think is really great. And then I was reading somewhere that. Paul Thomas Anderson had like a whole speech for Tom Cruise to say to Earl as he's dying and Tom Cruise instead just kind of did the thing he did where he gets really upset and cries and, and like calls him names. And then says, but don't leave me, like, don't leave me again. And then Philip Seymour Hoffman in the background is just like reacting to that. Cause he didn't know it was going to happen. So I think that's like a, I like when movies have like moments like that where it's just kind of more, I guess, real and like the reactions are real.
0: He dies though, right? Earl dies like right then and there.
1: And one of the dogs die. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And one of the dogs die
1: because they have the stretcher of Earl and the stretcher of the dog right after it. Because the dog ate the pills.
0: Have we missed anyone? Stanley is in his living room reading a book, looking out the window as the frogs are falling. So no, he's still not... in the library. Oh, okay. He's in the library, looking out the window, reading a book while the frogs are falling. Telling himself that these things are. These things happen. And that's normal. Um, I know we quickly talked about this, but everyone about three quarters of the way in the movie broke into song.
1: Yeah, perfectly normal.
0: Um, and then afterwards, what's uh, what's the conclusion we get from all of this? Um, I guess Jimmy. Sorry, not Jimmy. Officer Jim and Claudia get together and she's really happy about it and we know she's really happy about it cuz she stares right into our soul
1: as the movie ends yeah why did the gun fall from the sky i don't why did the gun fall from the sky i don't understand it
0: uh yeah i thought we were going to have a magical person in uh in this movie somewhere i didn't know if the the little black kid was going to be the magical person i didn't know if like the narrator was going to be the magical person i didn't know if the rhyming old gay man at the bar was going to be a magical person but i really thought that somewhere in this movie there was going to be this like magical entity kind of wrapping things up for us i mean there was it was I guess it was the frogs raining down but it was not in the form of a person
1: it was the narrator but the narrator didn't do anything but narrate sometimes that's all you need to do is the narrator you know so he's he was also the producer on the game show <laughs> that's true um
0: So any any final thoughts about this movie? You liked it?
1: Uh, Last thing, when I said that the name of the pharmacist in the beginning was Ed, and then pharmacist at the middle was Ed Jr., I was right about the names, and it was played by the same actor. I forgot that part of my fun fact. That's great. And Stephen Root was supposed to be in this movie, but his entire part was cut. I don't know who that is. You don't know who Stephen Root is? No. It's the guy who said, you know, have you seen Office Space? Uh, yeah. My stapler? Oh, that guy? Okay. Yeah, he was going to be in it. He was also in um, that movie you made me watch, Just Friends. Yeah. He was like the executive that made Ryan Reynolds fly on the plane with uh, Anna Faris. Yeah, so I mean, so much of this was cut. It's, it's funny. So these are my final thoughts. Going into this, it was even though I was enjoying so much of the movie, it it did feel like a little bit of like a slog. Like I was just like having to force myself. And a lot of those parts were Stanley and William H. Macy's parts. And nothing against William H. Macy. I love him as an actor, but it's something I could have done without his part as much, especially in the bar with the rhyming older gay gentleman. Um, and Brian the bartender, too. Like, what were you adding? Just cause you're muscly? Get the fuck out of here. Um, but then as I'm watching it, there's so many like th- connections, like and threads that I felt like could have been wrapped up more than I'm actually like, you know what? I needed like 20, 30 more minutes. And I really need it confirmed that Julian Moore and Tom Cruise had sex. Cause I'm very confident they did in the movie, maybe in real life too. Who knows? Um, overall, I really love this movie. I thought it was great. I still would put the Master, Punch Drunk Love, There Will Be Blood, and Boogie Nights all above it, though. <laughs> so,
0: for the most part, I agree with you. I uh, I don't agree about the Punch Drunk Love being above it. I, I think that
1: deserved to be below it. But... Just because you were too anxious watching it.
0: Oh, about being anxious. Were you anxious when, uh, when John C. Riley's character in the first scene, um, with the with the angry black woman, and being no. like, being like, is there anyone in the house? I was like, oh my god, someone fucking in the house with a gun or something.
1: No. No, I, I felt like he was gonna make it. Okay. Well,
0: um, I I do like it. I think that I would have. Well, first of all, I went into this movie not only not knowing anything about this movie, but also thinking that this movie was a different movie. So so uh, it went beyond my expectations. I really liked it. I agree with you that some parts I didn't, I didn't need so much of it. But unlike you, I don't feel like I was really missing anything from it. And um, I like the mysteries. I like how things weren't 100% explained to us and you kind of just figure it out on your own. Um, all in all, I, uh, I enjoy this movie and I said it once and I'll say it again. Paul Thomas Anderson as a director is growing on me.
1: Wow. Wow, big, big step. PTA, good director. You've heard it here first. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I finally watched. This is David. And this is Alan. Alon. And we finally watched Magnolia. Magnolia. And don't
0: forget to check us out on Twitter at Finally Watched and Instagram at IFinallyWatched. Bye, y'all.